and welcome to Off The Fence. This is your go-to Digital Jumps programme. As always, we bring you all the hot topics from the jump racing world. We look back, we look forward, we throw some tips your way and give you some informed opinion as well on all the major news stories from the last seven days. And I'm joined by Barry Geraghty and Tony Keenan as usual. But before we get stuck in, a uh, bit of housekeeping for you. Please, please, please hit subscribe on the At The Races YouTube channel, because if you do that, then you won't miss a single episode of Off The Fence and you don't want to miss a single episode because from now until the spring festivals, we'll be bringing you all you need to know leading up to those major championship races. Without further ado, let's crack straight on. Quick hello, Tony Keenan, how are you? I'm good. That was a pretty good weekend. Probably the best weekend of the, I suppose, traditional national hunt season so far. Be a, be a good way. Good, good. Punting on a score of 1 to 10. How did you get on this weekend? Yeah, I've got on okay on Saturday. Probably gave it a bit of 6. I didn't do too, didn't do too much harm yesterday, but Saturday went, went, went quite well. Good, good. Above average. That's all we can hope for at this stage. Well, for me anyway. Uh, Barry Garrity, how are you? I'm very good, Jeb. Uh, Ferrios yesterday, I was there. Brilliant racing, great buzz, crowds, everything. So, no, it was a really good weekend. Good, good. Well, that's where we're going to start, Barry, because let's take a look at the Hatton's Grace. Obviously, Honeysuckle, another romp for her, 13 out of 13. All applauds, etc., etc. If you were there, give us, give us the view from the ground. How did, what did you make of her yesterday? I thought she was brilliant. Um, obviously, 13 out of 13 equals Beulah's record. So she's heading now to be the all-time winning only mare, so, um, or horse, should I say. I thought she was very good. She didn't jump as well as she can do. She was rusty, which was the case last season um, until she won in Leperstown at the Dublin Racing Festival on soft ground. She jumped well, and then in the Champion Hurdle, she was electric. So she was rusty in her jumping, so there's improvement there. Um, but they went a good strong gallop. Stormy Ireland brought them along. I thought it was a great, solid performance. Rachel went early with her, which surprised me, but she knew she was fit and... Uh, she wasn't going to worry about that anyway. So it was, it was a good performance um, and a worthy favour for the champion hurdle. She's the one She's the one you'd want to be on for, by a long way. Yeah, she absolutely is. And of course, she was shortened off the back of that Hatton's Grace run. But to my eye, she really only proved uh, that she was basically alive and kicking and ready for another season, Tony. What did you make of the race as a whole, the Hatton's Grace? Yeah, I thought visually it looked more like an English race um, with the way Stormy Ireland was kind of pouring it on from early on. They were a, a lot faster, I think, comparatively to the couple of two-mile races, the, the greater races earlier on the card. Uh, look, what is there to say about Honeysuckle? I suppose a few in behind there are, are worth mentioning. Unfortunately, sad to see the demise of latest exhibition was, it was quite a popular horse. Um, I thought Ronald Pump ran a cracker. Um, he sat even closer to the pace than Honeysuckle did. Uh, the blinkers seem to work well, work well on him. He's set up nicely now for a, a big run in the three mile at Christmas, where it sounds like he's going to be coming up against the Tord Abacadabras. Now, uh, to me, the, the ride on him said that yesterday or, or Sunday, sorry, wasn't the day that they were aiming at, at Christmas, aiming at the next day with him. He got a very cold ride. Um, and I think that probably has been the way with him in recent seasons. He's always a horse that seems to improve for his first run. I know they were intending to run him in the Morgiana. They didn't make that this year. But he's going to be a very interesting horse up to three miles. Um, he's not good enough for two miles. He's good enough to win, win a, kind of a, a moderate grade one. He might be the fifth or sixth best two miler around. But that might actually be good enough to put him up the top of the three milers if he stays, of course. Um, but he's going to be so much, I think, at three miles, dropping him out and, and, and passing horses. 
the problem with him, I suppose, well, there's two, there's two issues with him. Ability is not one of them. I think he's full of ability. He um, His hurdling now has become quite ignorant now. On, on Sunday, it, it, it was poor. He was ploughing hurdles. And he has done it. He obviously um, came down in the champion hurdle last year. Um, and he does have that little bit of temperament. like Without a shadow of a doubt, he pulls himself up when he hits the front. And that loose horse in the entry had them last year. But I think, he's, I think he's going to add a bit to it. It's himself, flooring Porter... Um, Ronald Pump there as I've said and Classical Dream that would be a very interesting race over three miles uh, at Leopardstown himself so Abracadabras Florian Porter and Classical Dream all absolutely need a sort of trip to the shrink don't they they're all quirky buggers up over three miles oh definitely like Ronald Pump would be the, it would definitely be the most straightforward of those oh yeah, and all, sorry sorry yeah and, and all kind of um, all, all for different reasons like, like they, they all do different stupid stuff um so yeah, yeah, that that that'd be fun, all right. And I think that's in the twenty eighth. So we won the race of Christmas actually in terms of interest, if not pure class. Yeah, you see, this is my point with the hurdling divisions at the moment, Tony. So I, for me, the staying division is way more wide open. There's obviously no real standout. Whereas Honeysuckle in the champion hurdle division, she she looks pretty much, dare I say, unbeatable. And although it's fabulous to watch 13 from 13, etc., etc., it doesn't necessarily make for the most exciting viewing. Would you agree with that? I would, yeah. And the rest of them can't get out of their own way at the minute. Like, I think that's the thing, Appetent, falling in, falling in a bit at, at the weekend. Like, like Charge is the only one, really, that has progressed as claims um, this season. And at the minute, if someone said to you what was going to finish 1-2 in the champion hurdle, you'd just say Honeysuckle from, from Charger. Um, echoes and rain, another disappointing type of effort, first time back. So yeah, it's just and, and of course that's the way it was when you go back to Ista bracket. Was always um, what was it? Theatre Award always used to finish second to him. So maybe that's what we're going to be looking at again in springtime. Yeah, maybe. And so on that note, then Barry, and sticking with the honeysuckle angle, uh, is, is this just going to be another sort of procession for her all season? And if so, I mean, what's your view on this sort of all-time great line that keeps getting sort of banded around at the moment? Are we up there yet? For me, I, I, I'm not feeling it. I, I want to see her up against the top-notch two-mile hurdler at some point, and then I'll be like, okay, one of the all-time greats. And I know it's the old cliche, she can only beat what's there, but I, I'm just not feeling it quite yet. And I feel like I'm slagging off the queen. I kind of am the queen of jump racing anyway. Uh, but what, 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 what are your views on it, Barry? I was in that camp to a degree before the champion hurdle and I, I wasn't convinced she was the one in the champion hurdle and then the performance she put in on the day. You know, she beat Sharjah, she beat Epitant, but she destroyed them. So she can only beat what's put in front of her, but she isn't just beating them by a length or two. She won the champion hurdle by six lengths going away. You know, she won it like a, a proper racehorse. So, um, no, I think she deserves it and I don't think you saw her at her best on Sunday. She just, she didn't jump with the fluency that she can do or that she did in Cheltenham. So I think there's there's better to come from her. But she she beats whatever's put in front of her. She beats them well. She's not just winning by a length or two. She's she's getting the job done and she's putting it to bed. Okay, well that sort of covers the honeysuckle angle. But we are going to come to Epitome once we move over uh, to the UK action. But we're going to stick with the Irish for the time being. And uh, the other two grade ones on the card at Ferry House. Of course, Beacon Edge winning the Drimmore. Uh, Tony, what did you make of the Drimmore? Uh, was it a bit of a below par grade one? 
it probably was a very dramatic race. I thought there was a lot going on in it. Um, I suppose the the pace was one thing. The pace just looked to be completely unrelenting, and I think they were walking late. Like they were four and a half seconds slower from three out than the the mayor's handicap chase. Like obviously that shouldn't be happening. These, these are Grade One horses, uh, much better than the horse that were running that handicap chase. Um, and the reason, of course, that they were going that clip was Gabby Nacko. Now I cannot figure this horse out. Um, he is he's a strange horse. He's again laced with ability but there's a kink or two in him he, he i don't like this thing he, he gallops with the head down i don't know i just i never really liked that in a horse it, it, within the race rather than out than the finish and his jumping it's either absolutely amazing and he's taking a length a length out of the every every horse in the field or he's trying to take offense home with him um so i think he three fairly fairly significant errors on sunday um he's gone too hard in front he said the second last and the last and he's still coming back for more th- at the death. So he'd have that, won. He'd have won. Wouldn't he won. Those last uh, two hours. He, he was the best horse in the race. I have no doubt about yeah. that. But yeah. but it's right. You've now got Willie Mullins horses to come into it. You've Bob Ollinger to come into it. So has he missed his chance? Um, Fury Road. I don't like him at all. Um, he. He has had his wind done and he has kind of had an intermittent history of showing temperament at times and bumpers and novice hurdle and holding his head high. He got the perfect setup, um, and as soon as he got to the lead when Gabby Nacko made the mistake two out, he started hanging into him. Um, and then when he sort of got to after the last, he still couldn't even beat Gabby Nacko and only came towards. So I, I kind of don't really want anything to do with him. Um, don't trust him at all. Beacon Edge, um, stamina won the day for him. Good horse, likeable horse. I just don't know about his jumping. It wasn't great in Down Royal. It wasn't great on Sunday. Um, and I think this might just be the high water mark for him. So yeah, I'm quite negative about the two Jiggenstown horses. Gabinaco, I can give him a pass, but he'd want to start doing things a bit more correctly, I think, in his races. But fair play to him. He did he did he did give lifetime ambition a signal and he gave Cape Gentleman a bit of a signal, putting their jumping on the pressure and they didn't really stand up to him. So and that was with him throwing in mistakes. So very interested to see. I, I, look, I believe the entries for Christmas are out there today, so he's in in both Limerick in the two and a half mile and the Leperstown three mile. So wherever he goes, he'll be, he'll be an interesting watch anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Gavin Acker, if you can get his jumping together for sure. My heart went out to him a bit. It's just like you just think it's going to go his way. And then he, like you say, he managed to plough through those last two, let alone his mistake earlier on. It's altogether a little disappointing. Uh, Barry, what did you make of that performance? Uh, what was your horse to take out of it, perhaps? Yeah, um, Gavin Acko, I think, was probably the one to take out of it, but will he iron out those jumping errors? As Tony said, he's brilliant at one, and then he plows the fifth last, he plows the last two on the straight. He shouldn't be doing it, but for whatever reason he is, but he has a bit of is, is, is that just because he's just being numb? What, 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 what's going on there? I think so, because he actually jumped really well on his, his previous start when he won. He jumped really well, he has a low head carriage, which I wouldn't mind once the once the jump, you don't mind it, but the way he's headbutt the f- the fifth last, he should have fallen there. He should have fallen the second last, and could have fallen at the last. So, he um he was the best horse in the race. Beacon Edge probably lacks a bit of scope. I'd see him more as the the four mile or the three and a half mile, whichever it is now the, for the amateurs. Um, I think he lacks the pace. He lacks the scope, and he's a proper stair. He was fourth in the stairs hurdle, so he has the best level of hurdle form. But he just probably lacks the the scope and technique over a fence. But over a trip, you might find it easier. So I think he'll he'll definitely be three mile or even even plus. 
Okay, well, I think we're all agreed then, though, that Gavin Ako is the horse to take out there if he can just stop playing through a few. Uh, quick mention to Statue, obviously won the Royal Bond. Tony does seven to one about that mare's novices hurdle. Tickle your fancy at all. And I know she's priced up for the Supreme, but she won't go there, will she? No, I'd say usually Willie Mullins would keep, him to the, keep her to the, the, the more suitable race, um, the mare's race. To be honest, she wasn't on my radar at all for this race on Sunday. I just she just passed me by completely, which is my own kind of negligence. Um, my mate Mozzie had talked at the perfect setup in the race. He he was in the right place. It was a slow pace. Um, he avoided the trouble in behind. Like they were climbing on each other, turning in, um, and he still couldn't get it done. No, he made a mistake at the last, but everything had gone right up to that part. I thought he would have went away and won it from there. Was the covered by quite a small amount of lengths? You wonder what sort of a race was, but but Mighty Potter to me did shape the best. Like he set off and he was too free and he had to take him back, didn't really work out, and then he he gets caught wide in the sort of the third quarter of the race, and then turning in he kind of gets shuffled back again. Looks to have an impossible task. Jumps the second last big. And still finishes out really well to take Tordner. He looks like a horse that if they could get into a proper race where they, they go a gallop, he'd he'd um he'd be able to put up a bigger performance. And he, he was one of the more unexposed in it. Um strange sort of a, a market pre race with him. There was a, an awful lot of talk about him. Everyone knew that he was fiercely well regarded, but like he was kind of two to one, I think, on Friday and probably went off six to one and the stable mate had come out between now and then. So uh, that that was it's surprising just based on what his reputation was beforehand. Interesting. So there you go. You've got loads of horses to take out of the big grade ones from Fairy House that aren't the obvious ones. That's why you watch off the fence, everyone, uh, for those sort of golden nuggets, even if I do say so myself. But before I go any further, what are your views? People watching out there, what did you like from Fairy House? Do you think Honeysuckle is an all-time great? Do you like Abracadabra's over further maybe at Christmas? Uh, do get involved. Leave your comments in the comments section. And uh, as the show goes on, we'll be involving a few more of the viewers along the way too. So yeah, we read them all. So please do leave your comments. Oh, and before actually, sorry, quick mention to Phil Dore, uh, who's gone, I think, Triumph Hurdle favourite about four to one now, Barry. Uh, were you taken with him at all for, for the Triumph after that win at the weekend? He was workmanlike, uh, very impressive in his maiden before, but he was workmanlike um, in fairness. But he's the right type for the, the triumph. He's very relaxed. He uh, races behind the bridle. He's tough. He stays. But, um, you know, he's going to meet stronger opposition as the season goes on. So he's, he's a worthy favourite at the minute, but whether he'll still be there in March, I can't say. Yeah, at the minute, the key word, I think, for him at the moment. Uh, let's move across to England and focus in on Newcastle and Newbury. Uh, Newcastle to start, obviously, the fighting fifth. Bit of the dramatic finish in the end, Barry. Obviously, Epitont not so sleepy, a dead heat on the line. But let's focus in on Epitont because, basically... Honeysuckle is this sort of absolute star that no one can reach at the moment. But what we really wanted from Epitome when it comes to that champion hurdle division was a sort of absolute standout performance. Obviously, we know she's had her troubles, the back surgery, etc., etc., And we didn't get it, did we? Is this as good as she is now? Is Was Saturday as good as she is? Well, you'd hope for connection's sake that it isn't. Um, she was very good through the race. She settled nicely. The ground would have been on the soft side, but not desperate. Um but she settled, she jumped, she did everything really well. Aidan said he probably got there a bit soon at the last, which he probably did. Um, but you would have expected her to go and pick up and go away from Not So Sleepy. He possibly gave away his chance with running around down the straight. He was running all over the place. 
barging into horses and everything. And he made he was untidy at the last two, so he didn't help his own cause there. But I thought um that's uh, the Alan King horse, uh, Scurial, his proximity to the to Epitante for me, that was the that was the bit that was holding her back that on soft ground she should be getting away from him because it that's his Achilles heel. He wants better ground. So that would take from the performance. Um she jumped, she did everything well, but you would have just expected her maybe just to pull away and win with three or four lengths and it just didn't happen. She'll need to improve on that to be a contender. Not so sleepy at thirty threes at the moment for the champion hurdle after that performance and Epitant fourteens. Um, not so sleepy you've touched upon it for me he just he just does everything wrong gets in his own way and he's clearly got an engine but he'd need the ground to come good but maybe at a bigger price 33s who knows uh, moving on to Newbury and of course Labrick's trophy a big price upset Barry with Cloudy Glen did you ever see that coming for the Venetia Williams team? No but he was first one after the wind up and she said afterwards how his work was through the roof so they obviously knew what they had but they didn't, they didn't invest in the 33s by the looks of it um, but it was a great performance, brilliant win for the Trevor Hemmings, the late Trevor Hemmings, uh, Venetia and Charlie Deitch as well, top class rider, gave him a lovely ride, jumped brilliantly and for me that was a, a stepping stone to a Grand National, he'd probably get 8 or £10 for that which should just get him in to the Grand National um, but it was a good solid performance and the runner up Fiddler on the Roof I've had my question marks over him because he, for me he's never really stepped up to it in a, in a good race. I know that his horses were out of form last season but he was still running well but I thought it was a great run by him um, with that weight. Um, but the two horses probably for me to take out of it hit the deck. One was Remastered who fell at the fourth last and took a heavy fall and thankfully it was good to see him get up and he, he was okay. And the other who I thought was creeping into was Unrelo down the back straight. A soft enough fall so hopefully he's okay as well but they would be the two horses you'd, you'd be keeping an eye on. Hopefully they won't be too long before they're out again and um, definitely two you'd want to watch out for. And how mad do you think I am with my statement that I think Fiddler on the Roof is a genuine Gold Cup horse if he can put up that sort of performance again? Obviously, giving £10 away to the winner, they pulled 20 lengths clear of the rest of the field. On my notes, I think that you could throw him into a Gold Cup. I'm not saying he's going to win a Gold Cup, but he's proved he's high class in the past. But you boys were laughing at me before the show. So how bad is that statement? Um, which are, he doesn't have many other options they're talking about the King George from now anyway so if he goes in a handicap he's going to be giving lumps of weight all around him so he might as well as run the Gold Cup and maybe he could run into a place but um, yeah I, I think uh, it's a strong viewers, division at the minute so he's he'd be biking yeah, off a bit viewers, more than he could chew maybe Barry is going with a very diplomatic answer there for the show that wasn't the response he gave me beforehand when I suggested it he was a touch ruder about the option but anyway we will move on uh barry you were also uh pretty taken as i was with ahoy senor uh in the novices chase i just thought he looked like an absolute monster give me the lowdown of that performance yeah no i agree completely i'm blown away by him big old-fashioned type jump now he made a couple of untidy mistakes and the water jump in particular but that's a water jump mistake like that it's just a lack of respect you know he's big and he's strong and he's powerful he's full of scope the jump he threw at the fourth last was amazing and he made reasonable horses look very average he won by a furlong but i thought it was it was rock solid he'll have learned a lot from it and he'll learn more again from his next one wherever he goes whether he could drop back to two and a half mile on soft ground in the dipper and get course former or he could go to warwick in january for the three mile chase the next destination one last year but to me he's a real old-fashioned chaser he beat braveman's game in the sefton hurdle in entry last season at 66 to 1 um, and obviously Braveman's game he was coming there on the back of Cheltenham and you could offer that excuse but I'd say Braveman's game met a very good horse in the entry and I think this fellas he'll trouble Braveman's game again 
like it. I mean, I was very taken with him, but I'm a big Brave Man's Game fan as well. Uh, if that rematch happens, that really will be something to savour. Tony, let's move on to John Bond winning the novices hurdle there, obviously with this sort of big price tag and sort of impressive pedigree page, shall we say. And now he's pretty much the favourite for the Supreme Novices off the back of this performance. In my eyes, it was a decent enough performance, but should he be as short as he is for the Supreme Novices? I'm not entirely sure at the moment. What was your view on this race and sort of how the Supreme market's shaping up just at the moment anyway? Yeah, well, I, I know what you're saying about the price and, and you'd say maybe similar, but the Gordon Elliott has to shorten up for the triumph, but... I remember, recall last year in the Supreme and the Ballymore and the Triumph, horses would have looked very short at various times and were expecting other horses to materialise a, a deeper challenge, but all those races just cut up. Um, I think the Supreme at eight, I know that Ballymore, what Ballymore at six, I think the Triumph made it the bear eight. So, uh, you know, if it's, if he's going to be Nicky Henderson's number one and Willie Munns is then going to have, you know, get creative things correctly, maybe he, he could be half that price on the day type of thing. I just, the assumption that there's going to be a massive field in that you know, the way field sizes are going, is that really going to materialise? As to the horse himself, yeah, I think the jockey made the right decision, letting him kind of stride on, thought that um, that kind of suited him a bit. The, the second had good bumper form, but his jumping ha has been moderate now um, in both starts. I suppose we'll, we'll learn more next time. It's, it's hard to know where he goes there. Would Kempton on the 26th be too soon? Possibly it would. There's a race down Ascot a couple of days before that. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where his next target would be. And Barry, obviously, uh, he went into that race and all eyes were on him, kind of because of his price tag, really. But I don't think he could have done much more than he's done, I guess, on debut. But I know you were quite, you were more than taken actually with the performance. Yeah, I thought so. That it was really impressive. And um, they went slow early. He was keen, not too bad. Now, he settled reasonably well, but he jumped his way to the front down the back straight. He would have been better with a stronger pace and cover and take his time because he, you know, he showed great pace all the way along. He quickened in the straight from the front, jumped really professionally. I thought it was a really slick performance. Um, and I'd, I'd be interested to see when he gets into better company because he he will settle better, as I say, with cover and he seems to have plenty of pace. So now I would like him and thought it was a good performance. Like it, and um, just on a last point on John Bond, obviously, I think there've been a few. I think there's been a bit of chat from sort of uh, the stable and uh, reports about him beforehand that he is quite lively and he is sort of. Uh, I think you know he takes a bit of training. He's not necessarily the most straightforward. Had you heard any of that discussion beforehand or afterwards, perhaps? Yeah, well, and it was the way in his bumper as well. But you could see him at the start. He was on his toes. He was turning sideways. He was jig jogging. He was, you know, he was anything but relaxed. But he surprised me how relaxed he was in the race, albeit he did jump to the front. But as I say, with any sort of gallop on, he would have settled nicely. So I don't think it's as big of an issue as we thought it could be. Okay, that's yeah, good to hear, I suppose. Uh, viewers, what did you think about Jean Bon? Do you think he should be top of the Supreme Market at the moment? Do you think the seventh to about him is the right price for him? And do you think he'll shorten up or lengthen as time goes on as the season develops? We want to hear your views. So please do get in contact with us, right? The best way to do it is uh, the YouTube comments box beneath, beneath the video. We read them all. So please put your comments in there and we'll get round to a few of them on the show, I am sure. And now we can move on to everyone's favourite section, which is, of course, off offence. 
What have we taken offence to this week? Well, we've got a couple of topics to cover. Uh, Barry's got one and Tony's got one. Who should we pick first? Let's go to Barry first. Uh, Barry, your your offence is a bit of a left field one because it's focusing in on Paisley Park and the performance we saw of him at the weekend. But really what you're offended by, in inverted commas, is how big a price they've pushed him out for the stairs hurdle. Uh, take it away, please. What, what's your story here? What's your angle? Well, he's out the forty one for the stairs hurdle. They obviously they jumped him out to you know, he sat up sides over the first and he made the run and he didn't go overly quick. It was a nice sensible pace, but he quickened early down the back straight. Um and himself and on the blind side they locked horns leaving the back straight and they went at it early. Um he winged the third last, but he's he's under the stick before the second last. You know, usually he comes from off the pace, he hits a flat spot, it's his first run with cheap pieces, so they obviously changed tactics. But I think probably overdid it or there's no probably about it it was overdone so he's a horse who benefits from a nice quiet patient ride um, horses I would have ridden the past like that would have been Bobsworth who you don't chase you don't put under pressure and you just wait for him and they come alive later on and that's how he always has been and you saw him in Ascot uh, in the long walk hurdle when he bombed home from probably six or eight lengths down turning in or maybe more and he flew home to win to beat Time Hill um, that's a style of racing and it was the completely opposite the way they rode him in Newbury so I think if they go back to the way they rode him originally and leave on the cheap piece as well I'd, I would have seen him winning that race um, even with a lack of pace so I think he's still a big player for the, the stairs hurdle and 40 to 1 is a ridiculous price like it like it a lot keeping the faith he's not he's not too and in a actually I in a division where as I was saying beforehand earlier on in the show it's kind of the, there's no absolute standout there's loads in there who could stay who could appreciate it if they step up to that sort of trip there's so many question marks and i suppose when you when you pitch it like that barry 40 to 1 is a huge price you're right i think it's probably an overreaction uh let's move on to tony's offense because this is a completely different uh subject altogether uh, tony you were offended by the rona mcnally situation at punchestown earlier in the week obviously it caught quite a lot of headlines there was a lot of talk about it afterwards uh take it away please sir yeah um look i would have a small degree of sympathy for rona mcnally um i think he gets a hard time because of where he's from um there's people in this country think that everyone from this part of the country and I'm from the same part, by the way, um, is a little bit hooky. They don't call it bandit country for no, for no reason. But um, I think that's that. he's getting that probably a little bit undeserved. And from what I can gather, like the IHRB have basically decided that he's not getting a full licence at the minute, even though he's applied for it. Um, he's been left with this restricted licence until this um, couple of situations that he's involved with have been resolved. So that's an interesting dynamic. Look... Racing's a very, very broad church. Um, and people like different things about the sport. And some people enjoy this kind of landing the gambles, horses appearing out of nowhere and all this sort of stuff. But like, I'm a form book based punter looking, looking at times, looking at replays, looking at all this type of stuff. Um, like, I, I haven't a clue with Ronan McNally. Um, and there's a few other lads I'm going to put into the, the bracket with him, like Emmett Mullins, having a clue. Charles Bournes, a few owners I haven't got a clue with, JP McManus to a degree, like, um, like I can't put a price on some of these horses these lads are putting out, like, he could be 2 to 1 or 102 to 1, and I ha or anything in between, I haven't got a clue, I'm just guessing completely, because they always know more than you, like on Saturday, back the horse of Charles Bournes on Saturday, Poseidon, um, thought he'd a half decent form case from Cork, with a small few quid in him, 
the horse that was second to him in Cork was second in the race beside him, not mapped. And I'm just going to myself, what are you doing? Like, you haven't, you haven't a hole. It just, I just can't read them um, at all, to be honest. So like, they're just, I find them very difficult. Um, I don't particularly like now when they're coming on as well. Like Ronan McNally's coming on after the race with a, a bit of a plea for clemency from the handicapper. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really enthused about that that kind of stuff. He got £22 by the way, so he obviously wasn't listening. Um, you know, so that, that's that's all fair enough. Look, to the specific case of this old class now, like the horse was very much potentially well handicapped on its flat form and, and its hurdle form. I don't think there's any issue with that. Um, price drift, drift sure on the day and it's back in hard late again no issue with that that's the way the kind of markets work with it however like the real issue to me last tuesday is around the stewarding um and what has kind of happened like obviously everyone has seen the race as has been politely described as an odd race um i'm just going to read you what 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 the post race report here is because like, this is what they're coming out so dennis o'regan he's the senior jockey like so he says it was stated like it was a cavalry charge down to the first when all the horses were going too quick and the early complexion of the race was dramatically altered by fathers at the first, and the front runners were further settled out by the loose horses. This opinion was confirmed by the other riders, who all felt that they jumped off together on racing with the leaders, but it was the followers that pulled the race apart, and the steward accepted their, um, their reasoning. Now, visually, first thing, it definitely doesn't look like cavalry charged down to the first. It looks a standard three-mile handicap chase, low grade. They'll go on a fairly tepid pace. Secondly, the followers at the first made negligible impact on any other horse in the race they all totally avoided them um, and thirdly the gap doesn't develop then the gap happens from fence two to a bit fence seven or eight where points that actually a fence cleared them um, and in terms of times there was another chase in the card bustled and won a novice chase beforehand and the part of the course that both of those horses covered the both of those fields covered like the odd class race was 15 seconds slower it's like just massive amount of lengths like um like it's not that hard to make up the ground when you're going that slow um like, like really this isn't acceptable steward and just to be taking that at face value uh, they have to be making more of an effort um and they have to if, if that's all the effort they're going to make and they're coming and accepting those excuses like it's just not good enough um so yeah you have a couple of different issues mixed in but the, the chief one there is the steward and and just to focus in on that the the fact that you you can prove by fact that what has been given as an excuse is essentially, well, no, not essentially, sorry, is actual lies, as you've just outlined there. But the stewards just are happy to accept kind of anything, it would seem, any excuse given. Look, things are happening fast for jockeys, and they're coming in after the race and saying that. Like, that's fine, but just you get the replay up and you say, well, that those two horses fell and they didn't impede you. And, you know, you're saying the gap has developed at that early stage, but it hasn't. It's actually happened afterwards. And we can play the replays of the two races alongside and show, well, like, lads, you aren't really going that hard there. Could you not make an effort? Now, there are times this happens. Uh, and, you know, there are times it happens when a 50 to 1 shot goes off and never comes back. But when it's, as I said, it was the second, the second was a 13-year-old, very exposed handicapper that went clear and the gambled on favourite sat second and everything else sat lens and lens lens back yeah come on let's 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 ask a lot more uh testing questions that we're asking and if punishments need to be given out let's give them out okay well those are the two things that we have taken offense with this week but did you again please leave your comments in the box below and what did you make of the ronan mcnally situation at punch with all class do you agree with what tony's saying do you have anything else to add please 
write your comments below. We appreciate it. Uh, let's move on and take a look at the week ahead. Obviously, a big weekend ahead again. Jump season off rocking and rolling now, so every weekend is a big weekend. But the Tingle Creek at Sandown, one of my favourite races of the season. Looks like Shaq and Pulsoir, maybe Nube Negra, uh, a few other names in there. In fact, there's loads of names in there that might go all sorts of different directions. But Barry, have you taken a look at the Tingle Creek at this early stage? And what are you thinking of it at the moment? Yeah, well, if it's all if Shaq and Pulsoir, if he goes there, um, he beats Nube Negra in Punchestown. And I suppose that's the level of form or that's the line of form, if you like, between the two of them. And, and they are the two in the race for me. Um, but Nubin was impressive in Cheltenham. Um, I think the better the ground, the better his chance. But the softer then, obviously, I think it's going to be in Shaq and Pursuar's favour. So it'll be interesting to see how the going is by Saturday. There is rain forecast, but just how much it gets, well, I think it'll, it'll, uh, it'll dictate a lot. So Nubin for me, on better ground, would trouble Shaq and Pursuar. Um, but he'd be the one to be on Shaq and Pursuit, and the softer it is, the better for him. But apart from that, like there's a chance Allah could go here, but he's also in Punjistan as well, so we don't know. Um, he would be the other one of interest who was second. He's, he's split Nubanegra and Shaq and Pursuit in Punjistan. So Green Teen is there. He's third in the bet, and I think he was beaten 21 lengths in the Holland Gold Cup. So I think it's all still on promise with him. So it, for me, it's the, the two at the head of the market are the, the two to be on. And uh, no Shishkin Barry, obviously that caused a huge amount of drama, potentially unnecessary drama in the week. What did you make of that decision? Obviously it's disappointing, but then everyone's in uproar at the decision made. And I wasn't that offended by it. We were told, what, 12 days in advance that he wasn't going to run. Uh, I thought a load of fuss about nothing, kind of, dare I say. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's probably just been backed up by Altior not running in certain days and whatnot for the last few years. So there's a bit of an anti-Nicky team, I think, there because Willie Mullins took a classical dream for a similar reason out of the, the race on Sunday against Honeysuckle and there wasn't a word mentioned. So um, I think Nicky has just drawn a bit on himself over there over the years. But um, no, he was right not to run him. If he's not happy with him, he'd be one step forward and two steps back. Um, he'd set the horse back longer with a hard race and obviously not good, not fit to win are dooms of justice if he had a lined up so no I think Nicky made the right call and uh, there should be not much more about it really Tony were you as offended with the whole shishkin palaver as everyone else seemed to be? Um, disappointed I'd say more than offended look I do think it's very disappointing for, for fans and that and just to say like National Hunt fans like, they're, they're so engaged they're so passionate like um I know when we launch this show, people are so interested, um, and and you know they watch this, they'll watch the road to Cheltenham, they'll watch up in the ante. I think they don't even sleep; they just think a national hunt race. And like, if you do something for this on the flat, no, no one cares. Like, let's let's be true about it. I know myself it's so from writing. True, it's so I, true. I, I, I know myself from writing stuff. Like the, the the amount of people that will respond to you when you write something about national hunt versus writing something on the flat, and I might think what I'm saying is way more interesting through at the flat. They don't care to the same degree. And um, this kind of groundswell of opinion kind of against the, the sport, like, you know, uh, perception becomes a reality after a point. And I would tend to agree with some of the stuff that's been said. Um, I think November's been, been pretty miserable now in terms of National Hunt racing. Last weekend was very good. But is, is that good enough? You know, um, January's a complete wasteland as far as I'm concerned. Ja January's a joke. Um, I, I, just, I, I just think January's appalling month for racing. I'm... I'm not a Dublin Racing Festival fan. I don't know if I've said this before, but I actually think it was a bad idea. Um, I think Leopards... I think for a person who's following the sport, I thought having the, the Pierce Hordle, a good meeting there in early January, the Irish Champion Hordle then at the end of January, and the, and the Irish Gold Cup at the start of February, 
broke them on down far more interesting and with the best will in the world like, like what's the best race run in Ireland in January um, you know the Dan Moore handicap chase at Fairy House a couple of grade threes there at Nace aren't too bad at the end of January and don't get me started on England because England's even worse um, you know so uh, it's something that we maybe people need to think about and I know some people are coming out with kind of mad ideas um, and people are saying about scrapping bumpers and limiting the amount of bumpers and all that type of stuff. Yeah, maybe we do need to try to start to think, and think about some of these kind of left field ideas. Um, like there are parts of the sport that are absolutely thriving. Um, the money being paid for horse, the sales is colossal, the clearance rate at sales. But some of the stuff that's happening on the track is a bit of a letdown for people. And not just wingers, people who are genuinely want to see the sport kind of do well. And just one thing, I would actually have a bit of offence about Nicky Henderson. Um, and a couple of other people have kind of said this. I, I just cannot tolerate this kind of talk. Um, that someone who hasn't trained a horse, owned a horse, or ridden a horse can't have an opinion on it or doesn't know enough. Like, I, I just, that Jesus wept, like, that just completely drives me up the wall. Like, fans in other sports have opinions on players, managers. I'm not always saying they're the best opinion, but we got they're entitled to their opinion and they're engaged on the sport. And I think that's a great thing. And sure, look, the most magnificent thing of all about racing is you can put money on that opinion. So that, could, that should actually be encouraged rather than maybe people belittling them and saying, oh, you have this opinion, that opinion. And not every trainer and not every jockey and not every owner always does the right thing. There's been plenty of cases where, you know, they have got things wrong. So, you know, don't be so maybe critical of people maybe voicing their opinion just because it disagrees um, with your own. Time will probably vindicate all, but and, like, I, I'm a great fan. Of, I think Shishkin's a magnificent horse, and I think he, I think he is the best two-miler. I think he's better than an argument. Um, it is, and it is just such a pity not to see him. I think, I think if it had been a, a lot of the Irish trainers, they would prob possibly run him anyway, because I think they're more inclined maybe to use it as, as the prep race. They don't mind him getting beat and then kicking on into the season, but Nicky Henderson has never done that. Um, and his owners probably facilitate that. His owners know that when they're kind of signing up with him. Um, and that's their choice. They can send the horses elsewhere. Other trainers will, will campaign them more aggressively. Like, I, like Paul Nichols, obviously. Listen, to Paul Nichols there this morning. I believe he's talking about running this four-year-old that um, won the handicap at Newbury on, on Saturday. Running him again in the grade run this Saturday at Sandown. Like, um, to me, I, yeah, yeah like, I, I love that now personally. But, like... Uh, doctors differ, patients die type of stuff. People, people decide and cut the cloth to measure and decide which which type of trainer they want. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at about that. Some some of the suggestions that are coming out might be worth looking at. Um, one of the great things about the sport is its tradition, but it can also be one of its great blind spots. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why we have Tony on the show because he is not afraid to give an opinion. Excellent from you, Tony. Thoroughly enjoyed that, and you're right should all be able to have an opinion and you know hopefully a few bright brains will put their heads together and sort out the race planning situation and the calendar and we might be in a bit of a better spot but anyway we'll move on because that really is diving down a rabbit hole uh barry quick chat about the john durkin at the weekend uh looks like maybe alaho might go there envoy allen album photos loads of names in the mix but it's very hard to make out what's going to go at the moment uh who do you think will show up yeah, it's very hard to know what will go. Um, and the fact that Alaho and Envy Allen are both owned by Chibi Park, that poses a big one, trained by different trainers. I know Willie is probably keen to go Alaho two and a half, and Henry the same with uh, Envy Allen. And Envy Allen wasn't as impressive visually for me uh, with his win in Down Royal as he has been in the past. So it'll be interesting to see if he turns up 
what uh, Envoy Allen turns up because he was all pay, all pace and all the class, but we're actually giving him a cracker on the tail after the last and done right the last day. So that was very unusual. Um, but he he seemed to he seemed to be more workmanlike, um, beating Coco Beach than he would have been in the past. So it'll be interesting to see. But you have album photo, you have uh, Facade de Riz, there's loads in there, and then you have the Hillyway as well in, in Cork where you have an Ergamine and you have every chance of what's entered in punch and will be entered in Cork too. So it's a it's a bit of a, a bit of a muddle at the minute. What's the weather situation doing over there, Barry? Because I think Willie and every other trainer, it seems, is waiting for rain and he'd want it for an argument. Any chance of that at the moment on the horizon this week? I think there's rain forecast this week. It's to stay cold, but I think there's going to be rain. So um, that's that'll be well needed. But um, I'd, I'd imagine Punchdown could be on the soft side. And just a very quick mention, Barry, as well, just because I know you liked him a lot. The four-year-old that Tony was just talking about, uh, Paul Nix's horse, El Rodoto, who obviously won... Uh, the last race at Newbury at the weekend, you were very taken with him and he might run at Sandown. That would excite you, would it, in the uh, in the novices' chase there? Yeah, no, it's a difficult one, a seven-day turnaround for a four-year-old like that. He didn't have a tough race in Newbury, but he still had a race and he hit the second last hard. But I thought he was a horse who was learning as he went through the race and down the back straight, you could see him creeping into it. But he was he was being squeezed and just being chased along a little bit. Um, and I thought maybe he'd run into a place. But then when he straightened up and he got going in the straight, and as I say, gallop through the second last, but still one going away. I thought it was a very smart performance. And if he goes to the Henry VIII, um, I think he gets a £6 allowance as a four-year-old, which would help him a lot. Um, and that will be a good race, obviously, with third time Lucky there, who's been very impressive. But um, no, it'll be interesting to see if he goes there, because I thought it was a, a smart performance from a four-year-old. Yeah, absolutely. And Tony, over to you for the Irish action with John Durkin. Uh, anything tickling your fancy just at the moment? It's probably a touch early, is it? No, like Barry said, uh, it would be unusual for Chiefly Park. They don't actually have vast numbers of horses, um, but I can't really recall an awful lot of them running against each other. So is that clash going to materialise? Um, I kind of was impressed with Envoy Allen at Down Royal, especially coming from where he was coming from, the, the, the bit of an injury and that. Um, time would have compared very well with what Frodon did on the same card. And obviously the second shouldn't be getting anywhere near him but it was more due to the performance of some of the others um Fakir Dudery was I thought impressive in Clonmel um I presume he's he's an intended runner would look a uh, very obvious race for him also Cork I think there's a possibility that Magic Days and Riviere de Tell could meet there's a, a mare's chase down there that, that would be a um, a, a proper race the two of them they, they, they like to go fast over the first three or four so that could be um, that could be one to one to look out for um, and yeah third time lucky like his form bit of a knock now at Fairy House on, on, on Saturday through Buddy Rich uh, you know, he, uh, he's not a remotely likeable horse now I think he's a tricky sort of lot of seconds and visually doesn't look like a horse that really wants to battle he emptied completely on Saturday, having got there between the last two, looking like he was going to nearly win it, he could only manage four. So, I think there's a hole or two in third time lucky there. I wouldn't be, I think he's around the even money mark for that race on Saturday. I wouldn't be one to be rushing to take a short price of it anyway. Oh, interesting. It'll surprise a few people. Uh, that was just a quick rattle through the weekend to come's action. Uh, and obviously, we'll be giving you the full debrief of that in seven days' time next Tuesday. But before we sign off this show, we've covered a lot of ground already, but we couldn't leave you without giving you track horses to follow. And so, boys, very quickly, your track horses, please. Barry, over to you. 
Yeah, Hoskell Ashtree Meadow, who's touring the maiden hurdle in Ferrios on Saturday. Uh, very keen early, couple of untidy jumps, but he smartened up as he went. A uh, little out pace going to two out, but finished strongly um, behind a couple of smart ones. So I'd say he's a horse to follow. Ashtree Meadow. Ashtree Meadow for Barry and Tony. Who's your track horse, please? I know you had a couple to choose from, but who did you land on this week? Yeah, I'm going to land on Lieutenant Commander. I just want to ask Barry a question about this horse at the end. Um... I stuck a line through this horse fairly quickly now when I was going through the race in Saturday because I thought he was such a terrible jumper of hordles, hordles, sorry, he wouldn't, he'd be the same over fences and nothing could be further than the truth. He jumped absolutely brilliantly on Saturday. Um, typical Jiggenstown horses after improving for chasing and I thought he was well on top of the line and I think the form looks fairly substantial. The horse that was second was Max Flamingo. Um, he was really strong in the market but more than that he tied in with... Um, Gabinaco and Fury Road from Fairy House. So, you know, that farmer's working out in the grade one and thought Lieutenant Command beat him nicely. Um the the, the one worry I'd have with him is that he's won first him out now in three seasons in a row and hasn't always carried it through. But he'd be kind of harsh now, I think might be underrated if he went for the grade one at Limerick at Christmas as he's entered there. Um but no, I was just gonna ask Barry about this thing. Like, is there any link between these horses that, you know, the jump well over hurdles, jumping well over fences, or jump badly over hurdles, jump badly over fences. This horse seems to be going the other way now. Bally Adam, I think, is a good example of a horse that is just a bad jumper, full stop. Um, he was very awkward at his hurdles, and to me, he looks the same over fences. And actually, I see he has an entry over hurdles at Christmas. Um, I wonder if they're going back that way. But Barry, was what was your experience of that kind of um, horses making the transition? Yes, he would have some who wouldn't just be as natural, say. Um... You know, Beacon Edge was limited with scope and he was probably average over a hurdle as well. So he, he's he's not a big scopey jumper. But this fella um, that you're talking about, Lieutenant Command, he jumped brilliant in Ferrius and he lacked respect of a hurdle. He didn't shorten and adjust his stride too much. Um, I saw him in Navin when he was placed, galloped through the second last. So it was just a lack of respect. But he has loads of scope and he has loads of respect for a fence. So he's a different animal um, over a fence. And if you look back at maybe over the years, B for Salmon, he was two from eight over hurdles. He fell in his first hurdle race. And his first chase, he won the Clonmel Isle uh, chase, which is a grade two against seasoned chasers. And he won that in his first number of fences. So he had a different respect level for a fence than he had for a hurdle. So it's not unusual to see it. Um, and it, it, it sometimes the horses just need a fence. like it. Sometimes they just need a fence, a bit of respect. We all want that in our lives. Um, my tracker horse is, uh, who's like, oh, the Ferry Master. Jesus, I forgot there. Last week I didn't even have one, and this week I was just about to forget it. Uh, the Ferry Master from the rehearsal chase up in Newcastle at the weekend finished down the field. Uh, he was bottom of the weights off a lowly mark and trained by Sandy Thompson. He's got one on it, one in him, this horse, one of these big staying handicaps, when one falls his way and he can learn to do a few more things right in the early part of his race. The Ferry Master for me is still one to keep on side. Between now and the end of the season, uh, I'm gonna stick with him for a while anyway, for a few runs. So he is my tracker horse. But that about rounds things off, I think, for the show, for Off The Fence, uh, season two, episode two. The weeks are flying by already. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for watching. As always, like I've been saying throughout the show, please do hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, give us a like, give us a comment, give us a retweet, whatever you fancy. Uh, comments are key. We do want to involve the viewers in the show. So please do respond and let us know what you think of the show. And yeah, all comments and views appreciated. But thank you very much for watching. That was Off The Fence.